there we go so i guess in introduction i must say hello to everybody who happens to listen to this i'm glad that you tuned in um today is our first episode of fbl nations and i must say it's a very exciting thing for me it's my first podcast that i've ever been a part of i think i told Callum yesterday that i basically learned podcasting within two hours trying to set this up but i'm glad that i'm doing it because i know it can be beneficial to others and i know definitely for me i would have loved this last year when i just started my name is dominic terrell for all those who are just joining us and uh, let my co-host introduce himself hello i'm callum harris and uh i've been playing fpl for nearly 12 years now um although this is my best season so far the season i've started using statistics and things like that rather than just playing it casually right i guess we can go dive we can dive straight into that because i was i was always interested in listening to what you have to say especially with those spreadsheets i think um that just shows you know a level of dedication that i want to reach at some point um but how is how has that experience been for 12 years because that's I'm only 21, so that's just, that's about three, about a, a two-thirds of my year, of my life on the earth. You've been playing this game. How has, um, how has that experience been for you um, from the start to end, I guess? Put it this way, I can remember a lot of uh, managers who are managing now playing the game. So I rip Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, all of yeah. those uh, managers now. I remember them in my uh, fantasy teams from the early days. When uh, Rooney got his his four goals, um, you know he was in a lot of people's fantasy teams, and it also looked a lot different. And there were a lot less statistics at the time, but a lot less players as well. Right, right. That's that's <laughs> that's insane. Um, how was how was that? Uh, how was the community back then? Because I know there's like many communities now. I mean, I searched up FPL just on Spotify when setting up yesterday, and I saw about five podcasts alone. On Spotify, so I know that there are a lot of people who are playing this game now. How was the community back then, and how would you think the community compares then to now? I think it's a lot different. I think the community only really kicked off in about twenty, maybe twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. That's when FPL became really big. Right. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, I was a, I was a casual for best part of nine or ten years, I'd say. And it's only really the last two or three seasons I've really taken into it so even then i wasn't looking at uh twitter reddit um youtube anything for for fantasy football i was only sort of reading the articles from the fantasy football website and then making my decisions from there right because i i I, i'm trying to wrap my head around how much this game could have changed for that length of that length of time i mean that's a lot when i started i started casually because of my friends it was a group that i'm in and my friends, we all discuss football regularly. So we said, you know what, let's play this FPL thing. And actually, I had created an account since 2019 because I was trying to get into it and I'd seen it and I'd liked the concept of fantasy. And I created an account, but I never started. And I remember just, you know, just, I was like, you know, it's, I could start this whenever. And I just never got around to it. Then my friends convinced me last season to start. And we all went through and transferred players and stuff. And for the first, let me tell you, for the first 14 weeks or so, I had no idea that you can transfer players. I had no <laughs> idea that you could substitute players. And I had no idea that you were supposed to take off injured players. So I was playing. I was, and I had Antonio. <laughs> I had Antonio last season. 
And you, you I were played him the set and forget. <laughs> yeah, I just put him there, and I was like, you know what, he's he's gonna get me points. He got me a few points the first few weeks, I I remember correctly, and then got injured. You know how that goes. Um, but I just didn't know to take him out. I was even more interesting, and this is a funny story that I always tell people is that I had Jack Grealish when he when Aston Villa hit Liverpool seven. He got me, I think, twenty one points or something like that. Had no no idea about captaining him. Had no idea about you know looking for um Aston Villa assets at the time none I just played him as a hey got 21 points that's great and I moved on I had Mitrovic <laughs> as my starting striker as well and that's that's to tell you how and I had your boy Declan Rice <laughs> in my midfield Declan Rice he, yep. he's he might become an option fairly soon he's just added goals to his games now last season and the season before that probably not he was just a defensive midfielder but now he's uh Starting doing what Suchek was doing last season and uh, adding mm-hmm. goals to his game. Right, right. And that's, that's which, an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Which, which, uh, which team do you support, for anyone listening who might not know, our biases? <laughs> right, the biases. I think I'm already doing now. Um, I support Man- the, the greater half of Manchester. Let me let, it, let everybody decide what that is. Um, but no, I, just, I support the... Um... <laughs> I'm not getting into that. I'm supporting uh, Manchester City. I've supported them. Let me tell you how long. I supported them since 2010. So that's about 10, 11 years, 11 years now. And uh, I specifically remember that because when I started supporting them, it was just around the end of the Mark Hughes era, which this is what everybody uses. Because, you know, every time you tell people now that you're a Manchester City fan, you have to justify, are you plastic? Are you not? Um, how long have you been around? Is it is it the money? And I mean, I guess the takeover happened like a few years before, but I was really, I was there when like Michael Richards was still the right back. Company was just getting into the team. Ben like Adam Johnson, um, Ben Johnny, Sean Wright Phillips, you know, Robinho had just left, oh, Carlos Tevez yeah. had just left. He had done his stuff in between both Manchester clubs. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been through the up and downs. You can see that is the end of the down period from Manchester City's point of view. Um, and I remember specifically after that first season, we placed fourth and the first time we qualified for Europe in a, a long time. Um, I remember think, telling myself, we think we have a good thing going here. And ever since then, it's been up, you know, just that UCL has been evading us. But I think we will, we will make the right, the wrong, the, um, right the wrongs and get there and get over that final hurdle. What is <laughs> your, um, your favorite team? So for all those who know your biases now. Well, like you said, favourite player, Declan Rice. I'm a, I'm a West Ham fan. I've been to uh, West Ham games since I was about eight years old, I think. Uh, born born and raised uh, fairly in the stadium. Um, so I used to go there as a kid, you know, birthday presents and Christmas presents might have been two games a season or one game a season going to uh, Upton Park. Um I got a season ticket for the first two seasons at the new stadium now. Not quite as good atmosphere, but uh, let's just say the football has uh, improved. <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're, not, we're not quite the uh, yo-yo team we were a couple of seasons ago. Right. I think, I think this is a good place to go off into um, this thing that I've learned. Some people who are helping me in FPL told me must never must never let your biases affect your FPL choices. How true do you think that is, and how much has that played a part in your decision when you're picking <laughs> your team? 
it's very true. Um, don't let your biases get in the way. There would, but then again, sometimes it doesn't matter because uh, two seasons ago there was a an Everton fan. I can't, I can't remember his name actually. Who won fantasy football? Um, and he didn't put a single Liverpool player in his team all season <laughs> because he supported Everton so well. Uh, and that was the season, I believe, that that might have been the Suarez and Sturridge season. So it might no have been... way, no way. Yeah, An Everton uh, fan won that season. It might, I can't remember if it was then or whether it, I can't remember if it was Salah that was in there. Either way, he didn't. There was a very high-scoring Liverpool team that season. Um, didn't put a single Liverpool player in, but still won FPL. So you don't need it to win, but uh, mm. if you try and take the bias out of your decisions, I think it's always sensible. Then again, this season, uh, if if the team you support has undervalued players, maybe the bias can help. Ben Rama and Antonio this season, being a West Ham fan, I'd seen them and watched them pre-season, and they'd been uh, on fire. And uh, Antonio was quite well owned at the start of the season, but Ben Rama kind of. He was, he was a big trend on Twitter, but not many players went for him. Um, and he really, I of, really exploded. I was, one of those. I was one of those who didn't go for him, and I was regretting that. Um, because I hadn't known about him, and I, get, I think that's, that's a great point. You know, you have a certain vantage point that people won't have in that you're supporting the club. I think Stinger was telling me, because Stinger talks to me a lot about FPL. He was telling me about Ben Rama, but I was like, yeah. I, I really know who this is. I, I don't want to trust a, a new player just like that. And I haven't seen anything from him as yet. So I said, let him show me something. And he showed me. <laughs> and he showed mm. me something. So I ended up buying him. You know, obviously, as soon as you do that, he doesn't return again. But, you know, that's that's hit me the hand. Yeah. <laughs> that's FBL. Um, yep. Yeah. But Antonio. Antonio has been a revelation this season. And I'm glad that I trusted him. Because if I remember specifically, Salah was a showing. Fernandez at the beginning of the season was a showing for sure for my team. But Antonio, there was there was talk of him or somebody else. I think I was telling me about somebody else that he wanted to go instead of Antonio. And I was telling him, no, you know, Antonio looks as if um, there was something about, I can't remember what it is convincing me, but when I seen the options available, I just felt that Antonio would have been the best option. And I stuck to him because of his price range, maybe. And the fact that I know that what he can do when he's um, injury free and he stayed healthy and he Banged on a lot of points for the first few games. <laughs> yeah, Antonio has been been wonderful this season, and I think uh, West Ham assets will continue to uh, to bang after game week. Uh, I think it's sixteen that their fixtures then turn green. Um, right, Bowen, Ben Rama, Antonio, and uh, Fournals will all score a lot of points this season. I think. What is your opinion on that same Bowen as we as we're touching on the SM players? Because I've seen Bowen play and he looks to me as if he's a complete player except when he's in front of goal. How do you what do you think of that? <laughs> That's a fair synopsis. Um he's he's very creative, he's very quick, he's very yeah. good at taking players on. Um and he's very good on the counter attack. Um but I think his finishing could definitely use some work. I think He's just starting to play really well now. At the start of the season, I wouldn't have selected him because, oh, like you say, he's not very clinical. But that's starting to improve. And uh, we're seeing some recent returns from him. I think in the last uh, three games, he scored something like 20 points, um, mm-hmm. which is over okay. six points a game. So not the worst. Yeah, um, that's not bad. 
and for his price, I think I think he could be a very good shout for game week sixteen. Right. Okay. That's good to know because we need those type of information. I guess um, on Manchester City's and I'm glad that Pep has not been as um, we were calling him ball for last season as as <laughs> roulette-ish as he's as he's been recently. Um, I think mainly that's because it started off in a perfect kind of matrix for him where, and I don't want to use injuries as like a perfect anything, but um, Foden and De Bruyne came into the season injured, which forced a few players to start, namely Fernand um, Torres and Bernardo Silva, all those people who had some chance for speculations around them. They got like consistent game um, playing time. And you know, especially Bernardo, once he plays, he gives 100%. And um, that's something that's almost irreplaceable. And then I think coming out of the second international week, um, where I think Ferran Torres went, it was the UEFA Nations Cup. He got injured. It was after the Nations Cup because he was performing well. I think he has like 12 goals and 24 appearances for Spain or something like that as the false nine. And he's been doing very well internationally. I think he got injured and I'd rule him out. He's still out right now, I think for about four months, which was timely in, if you want to use that word, because that was a wrong time at Foden had just come back to fitness and the Bruyne had just come back to fitness. I think this trend now of consistent City players would continue for as long as it needs to, especially since they're players that are injured. Like, again, another example was Stones. Stones was injured coming into the season. He worked his way back to fitness. Pep started playing him in midweek fixtures, um, started to see him come out for England as well. And then right around the time this week that just finished, um, Laporte gets a red card against Crystal Palace. We lose that game. So now it's almost a showing that he's going to start against Manchester United right after an injury. So these type of things are the things that are happening. Foden, my boy, um, this youngster, he's been great. I've, I've, I'm so glad that I bought him last week, that big scoring game week, not last game of the week before, um, <laughs> where a lot of people scored over 100 points. Um, he was an underrated asset. I think he didn't cross 10% ownership at that point. I can't remember. But he gave me 18 points because two goals and assists and definitely helped my Salah captaincy pick. So that was clutch in my estimation. I feel that he's going to continue his form. I'm waiting for De Bruyne to turn the corner too because he just dipped under 12. He's 11.9 now for anybody who's looking to replace like a, a, premium asset, a premium asset, especially because Manchester City's fixtures make a great turn. And you know, um, there are not many fixtures that you'll be hesitant to play them in. They make a great turn. I think in a couple of weeks, there are a few green fixtures back to back, um, and they look very good for any kind of Manchester City asset outside of defenders. Same thing with Cancelo. The only thing with Cancelo though is that Cancelo is a, a a midweek fixture kind of guy. It looks like because the entirety of last season, I think everybody was just hoping that he would show his midweek form um, in the Premier League. Because he was getting whatever assists, he would score a goal, he would get a couple of assists, and then he would come and just get to your clean sheet points, probably one bonus point. And assist if it's a, a deflection. And it's the same thing that's happening now, which is why I don't own him, because he hasn't shown that, you know, that kind of form. And as a question I should ask, how much do you use midweek fixtures when you're choosing somebody? In light of their form previously, so let's say somebody like Ben Rama. I think you said he scored like a wonderful goal a few days ago. How would he use? How much would that affect your decision and choosing him if you wanted to choose him? Let's say for this game. It's an interesting question because I think 
I think you have to look at their fantasy Premier League form. Um, and if they're playing the full 90 midweek as well, obviously there's no guarantee that uh, they're going to start the Premier League games. With someone like um, Ben Rama, I think his skill and his uh, goal threat was obvious from the start of the season. So I think maybe it dried up a little bit recently, maybe due to a lack of confidence. Um, so him scoring midweek in Europa, uh, I think will help him. Uh, to be honest, I, I think he's probably one of the assets I'll go back for um, when the fixtures roll green again. Um, right. Yeah. I think, because I've owned him, right? <laughs> Since I, when was it? When did I buy him? I think I bought him as my wild card, which is a wrong game, like four or five. And I've owned him ever since, mainly because of injuries around him. So I, I never really got to tell him. Um, mm. And it has been, it has been, I think it's been four, it was four games, four or three games in a row that he blanked before he got that assist, which is basically a, a, a square pass to Declan Rice. I didn't expect him to shoot from there either, but he scored and um, got me five points last week. Um, but outside of that, it's been very, very dry. So that's why I've been asking about him particularly. Um, especially since they have Liverpool next, it's going to be a, a high-intensity game. But I do see Liverpool conceding, which is a lot, a lot of people have not been paying attention to, is that Liverpool's defence hasn't been the strongest. Yes, they keep, kept a clean sheet against Manchester United, but I mean, Ronaldo could have, should have scored, you know, VAR had his issues in there. And even after that, they conceded to, who was it that beat, uh, drew with them? Brighton. Um, twice, I believe. And I think Brighton had a lot of changes to go ahead in that game as well. So, that's why I I am hesitant a little bit, but he is the person that I'm looking to sell this week. And let me go straight into it because I need <laughs> I would need some guidance on that. Um, ben Rama is the person that I've highlighted to sell in a situation where you're like a few how few let's say a few minutes, a few hours before the deadline, and you're trying to make a decision but you can't separate. So let me give you my examples so that you can probably give us um, live feedback. I have I've lined up Mbemo, Smith Rowe and Gallagher as replacements for Ben Rama. Okay. Mbemo is just coming up an injury, so that's iffy. But it was he did he was touted as being more than likely to start by the uh, manager in the, in the press. Smith Rowe has just, is is coming off a big return, but he has bad fixtures in between um, Watford and Newcastle, and Gallagher has a nice stretch of games. But I talked to you earlier about him and he hadn't really, he weren't really convinced that he would continue that big return that he had last week. So in this situation, what would you use to decide who's the go-to or even stay with Ben Rama if you think so? What is the, so what, what's the rest of your midfield? You have five midfielders. You've got um... Salah, um, Foden, Rafina, Ben Rama and Alan from Everton. And what's the price of Allen? Let me have a quick look. 4.6. Do you have any money in the bank? Point, let me tell you. I do. I don't know. Tell you exactly how much. I have... Genesis loads. 0.7. Yeah, right. I have 0.7 in the bank. That was mainly due to my livermental move because I sold any. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me. So your your midfield is under 
five point five point three million is where we're looking. Yeah, so I guess you couldn't really afford any of them by selling Allen. So I guess right. if, if Ben Rama was the one to sell, would you be? Have you got any money tied into him? Have you? Do you know what your um, uh, what your buy value was on him? Six point one. He's six point two. He just went down as well. It just hurt my heart. Um, uh, but he was six point one when I bought him, and he's six point two. So I'll be making about point one off of him. Okay. Um, I guess for me, I I would be tempted to to keep him and roll the transfer personally. Um, if you if you have four playing defenders and two playing attackers, you could play the four four two and bench Ben Rama. Um, although I suppose Allen would be benched as well, so you probably. I also do have. I also do have three starting strikers, which is the next thing. I have Jimenez, Vardy, and Antonio. Three of them I want to start. So very, that's the other thing. Very useful. Um, for me, I I think if I was to choose one of the three you mentioned, I'd probably go with Smith Rowe just due to his form. Um, he's got two of the three easy fixtures coming up next and I think his fixtures after that are not bad as well um, so I'd probably play Smithrow um, let me look at um, Arsenal's fixtures next so right. Arsenal's mm-hmm. next three Watford, Liverpool uh, Newcastle Manchester, Manchester United yeah. Everton, Southampton so I think for most of those you can play him and maybe for the uh, Liverpool game you'd bench him. So I think Smithrow is probably the way to go given his form. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. While we're discussing that, let me um, welcome Chris. This is Cristiano. I've always been interested in your name and it's your name that I've been looking at for the past few minutes. I always wanted to hear you pronounce it. because is, it, is it Cristiano? Is it what? Fanaguero? He has to pronounce that for me. But your mic is muted if you if you're hearing us. Hey guys, hey, if up? you're if you're not listening like that, great. It's because I'm on my car, but I appreciate you doing this podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm a, a a big FPL fan, and uh, our league is great. So, uh, how to pronounce my name? My name is Cristiano, like the Ronaldo one, and the yes. second name is Fangero. Fangero. Okay, you know why? Because I. I looked at it and I thought I was a fan of Aguero. So I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Let me see what's really going on here. And then I realized, okay, that's cool. No, that's no, it's, cool my, it's my last name. Ah, okay, great. Cool. Yeah, man, thank you so much for the support. We, this is something that we, we definitely um, love doing. So for sure, um, thank you for tuning in as well. But yeah, so you were telling me about the Arsenal fix. The only thing about me, though, is that I don't want to buy somebody. Let's say I'm bringing in Smith Row. This is on a point minus four, by the way. Um, because I'd already spent my free transfer bringing in Livermento for Tierney. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bring I don't want to bring him in and have to rest him after one game of playing him. If you understand, I wanted to to buy to be able to buy him to play him because Ben Rama has been playing for the last few weeks. Granted, he hasn't returned. At least didn't have the worry of him getting benched or him getting replaced. I don't want to have to bring in somebody who I didn't have to bench like one game after one game. And then probably play him again and then bench him again. You know, I wanted that little uh, little security in that I could buy him and he could play a few games and I could look elsewhere if I need to make any more moves. Which is why I was watching Gallagher, because Gallagher's fixtures are nice. Um, Or even Embuemo, because their fixtures are really getting good as well. 
the if if I were to to go based purely on fixtures, you've got um, I think Brentford are probably your best bet. I think over the next um, over the next well five or six games, they play kind of Norwich, Newcastle, um, Everton might be quite tricky for them, but then they go back to uh, Tottenham. Although under Conte again might be tricky now. Yep, um, Leeds United, who concede a lot of goals. Watford, who concede a lot of goals. Uh, Manchester United and Southampton. They've they've got a really good run of fixtures coming up. Um, so I think for the long term, they're probably your best bet because I think a lot of the the top teams until game week fourteen have uh, quite difficult fixtures. Um, even even Liverpool, they they have. Uh, West Ham, they have Southampton who have been strong defensively. Everton and Wolves have both been very strong defensively. Um, so I think if you were if you were playing it based on fixtures, you'd look at Chelsea and Brentford. Although Chelsea, for the most part now, their fixtures are coming back to average after their their two really good fixtures that they've just played. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's another nice question because I have been somebody who's battling. Back and forth between fixture and form. I'm more of a fixture person in terms of who I select. How much does that play a part in your selection? And I, would you consider yourself somebody who rather's fixtures or rather's form when choosing somebody to buy? I consider both. So um, I absolutely love statistics and I absolutely love Excel spreadsheets. That's that's my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I've got myself a kind of a weighted um, formula to to weigh up players' fixtures and to weigh up um, players' form. And Mm -hmm. the way I'm doing it at the moment is giving each player a rank, or not giving each player, using a formula to give each player a rank based on how good their form's been and how good their fixtures are coming up. if I were to, to look at that now, I'm sure you can guess who the number one would be for man fixtures. Salah. Oh, buddy, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Salah for sure, yeah. No, no one other than Salah. Um, his form has been far too good to the point that most people would consider him fixture-proof. Exactly. Interestingly enough, in second place is um, Foden. So Foden over the over the last few games has been has been very good uh i mean even over the last two matches he's had 1.3 xg 0.4 expected assists so that's you know a goal involvement of 1.7 over the last two so he's nearly a return in the game mm-hmm. he's the uh, kid, yeah yeah exactly he's got three bonus points to his name and so he's come out pretty high um Reese James, obviously, and Ben Chilwell both up there. And uh, one surprising... Oh, yeah. They, they've been really good this season. But the one that I think is really interesting, or the two that are interesting, is one that we've already mentioned, uh, Jared Bowen for West Ham. He's been on phenomenal form recently. And uh, Corne for Burnley, both doing really well. Okay, so we're back up. Um, but yes, I didn't want to... Sorry for disturbing you. That was just a. No, that's okay. For anyone who uh, didn't catch what we were saying there, it looks like the uh, recording software just failed for a moment there. Um, but yeah, Bo- Bowen and Corner, the the two standout 
kind of differentials, I would call them, because I don't think many people own them right now. Um, exactly. And I think um, Kone has been somebody who's quite under the radar. I don't know. Do you, do you know his um, current ownership? But I don't think many people have even bought him after what he's been doing. I don't right now. That's something I can look up immediately. Corne's current ownership. Yeah, because I've been I've been hearing about him like in the background, but I haven't really paid attention to him. It's only really I think last week when I think he scored that people have really started to call his name. Mm, so Corne's only owned by one percent of all teams. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, how many he, points has he scored in the last few game weeks? Because I think you were saying he was up there for the expected. Um... Mm. So, so two weeks ago, he played Southampton and he scored 15 points. He got okay. two goals, um, three bonus points. And then last week against Brentford, um, he got one goal uh, and he got two bonus points. Um, but if you watch the way that they play, he's also been very good on the eye test as well. He's um he's one of those players that thrives off playing off uh, the big men in the Burnley team, um you know Chris Wood, um yeah. he's almost playing as a second striker to Chris Wood even though he's listed as a midfielder. Right, um, I was supposed to ask that as well. So he's hmm he's another option then. I think he was originally in my list, but I hadn't known too much about him. How is his uh, how are his fixtures looking? For like so, yeah. yeah, so his his last two obviously were Southampton and um and Brentford, who are two particularly good uh defensive units recently. Um his next fixture coming up now is Crystal Palace, who again fairly good defensively. I think both teams will go out thinking they can win that game. Right. Um then he goes to Tottenham. Again, now this is the problem because Tottenham show up quite lowly on the fixture difficulty rating system that I've, I've got because their defence has been bad all season. But given their new manager... Um, I can change. <laughs> that, that, I'm sure that will change. Um, if you watched the game against Vitesse midweek, which uh, I was lucky enough to do, they conceded two very sloppy goals. Um, and I think the... Um, they they conceded two very sloppy goals, uh, which I think, was that, well, I, yeah. mm, I think it's something that Conte is going to have to take time to fix. I don't think it's something that he'll fix immediately. Right. Um, and after after Tottenham, they then go to uh, Wolves. I think it is. One second. Yeah, they then go to Wolves, uh, and then they've got a nice fixture at Newcastle. So. It's not too bad. It's not someone I'd think of bringing in immediately, but it's mm-hmm. certainly someone on my watch list. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and it's one of those um one of those players that really misses the radar until he explodes, like what happened probably these last two weeks. That's one percent too. That's that's a huge differential, especially now when you have Salah, who's seventy one percent, basically everybody, and I think Antonio is still forty percent, which is nearly half. So you have mm. a lot of it's a, this is a lot more congested, I think, at the top than it was last seasons. Well, in my in my experience, 
because last season I remember he had Salah who was in form, you know, he scored, he ended up scoring, I think, 20 goals. Um, but then you also had people like Harry Kane, especially the beginning of the season, Harry Kane and Son were on fire. Like, if you didn't have them, you were way behind. And then um, Harry Kane ended up getting most goals and most assists. So he was always an option to captain. And then there are always the options of getting differential picks. But I think right now it's been a lot more streamlined to probably Salah or if you go a differential at all, it's somebody from a big club. So I think um, if we can get into a lot more differentials, at least now going into the future and you hit, you'll make a big jump. I think that's what people are looking for. That's a one big hit from a differential. Yeah, Uh, and I I think that's the... uh... That's the risk, isn't it? But I, th- I think that's the reason that everyone is uh, doing so well this season because obviously a lot of points come from your captain. Um, so if everyone's picking the same captain week in, week out, you're effectively losing a man on your competition. Um, yeah. You're effectively having one less player play if everyone picks the same captain um, to, to try and shoot you up the ranks. Um, yeah. But then if you don't captain him in, you yeah. drop. <laughs> So, exactly. And you job big too. You just don't job. You job yeah. huge ranks. I guess we saw the, the bad tie of that as well with the, the game, this same game we got everybody. I think the average was like 65. Mm. And um, some people went to the differential Havertz and I heard everybody who captained him because he got yeah. one, just one clean sheet point and that was a three points for the entire game in a game that seven goals were scored. That definitely would have been heart-wrenching for me to watch. Um, especially if he's, I think he was the, the listed as the highest attacking player um, in terms of position on the field. Yet the most of the goals came from behind him. <laughs> and mm, he, the, he almost played the Firmino role. He he held, he made a lot of runs. He held off a lot of defenders, and uh, he made space for everyone else to score. But he didn't get on the score sheet himself. And himself, yeah, that and that would be very infuriating as a, um, an FPL manager. But going back to um, the French, I think I have a nice story. When I was cap- um, going through my team last season, this is after I realized that you could transfer and all that. So this is probably getting down to the end of the season. Um, I had met up with Stinger and Stinger went through FBL because he's been, he's been playing now for a few years. And he's really the one that's gotten me um, a lot better in FBL because he showed me all the things he can do and he really gave me advice on where to look for, for information. And... I think this was around the time, I can't remember, I think it was a blank game week for some teams. And this was in the middle, and I know you would know exactly about this. This was in the middle of Jesse Lingard's hot run of form that came literally out of nowhere when he was reviving his career um, in West Ham. And he literally went like, I think, what, was seven games, eight games without with at least returning. Um, so everybody at one point was either buying him or captaining him. And I looked at it, and I was trying to figure out who to go with. And I was, at that point, I was just trying to get as many differentials as possible. And because it was a blank game week, I had, I think I had stored two free transfers or I spent points on somebody. But Brighton had a great fixture against Newcastle that game, that game week. So I think I tripled up on Brighton players. First time in my life I've ever done that. And I, yeah, but that, that was when Brighton, I think they were known as the XG gods that season, this last season. Because yeah, they had yeah. everything going for them statistically, but just didn't return on the pitch. Um, but their defense were very good, and Brighton is usually known as a very good defensive team. So I bought, I bought in two of their um, defenders, and I was trying to figure out a captaincy pick. 
and i just <laughs> i just glazed um i was just glazing through instagram looking through fbl pages trying to find anything that would give me like a good indication as to yes let me go with him and i just huh? saw somebody mention that um trashad's name <laughs> so i went and i looked him up and i realized that the last game that this is Not advice for anybody who's listening to much points. He can probably come back in my face, but he's probably in good form. He's probably going to be going to shoot and score on sight against Newcastle. Let me captain him. That was my captain. I think I wanted to know if I lost my mind, <laughs> um, but I said, hey, I'm going for this point. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I had, I had a class to teach because I was tutoring at that point. So I didn't even get to watch the game. <laughs> and then this thing I messages me and asked me, boy, how are you not messaging me? Look, your boy score and assist. I was like, what? So I turned on the TV and I saw that Trust had got a goal and an assist in the first half. And I think ended up getting a clean sheet point as well and got, got all three bonus points. It was the, the craziest punt that I've ever gotten. But I managed <laughs> to um I managed to jump, I think. I think that was the biggest jump I've ever gotten as well. I jumped nearly a million places because I was two million rank 2 million or something at that point and i went i broke into the top million after that captaincy pick it was crazy and that was while and that's why i mentioned lingard earlier because i didn't even go with lingard at that point so i was looking at lingard praying that he doesn't get more than trussard lo and behold he scores obviously because he was he couldn't miss at that point but he didn't um i don't think they kept the clean sheet that weekend and he didn't get as many bonus points so i it worked out it worked out for me so that was just a crazy story about how big differentials can hit um, mm. in this game but i so think we're also learning a lesson about picking to it with salah you want to say something that that was your best uh differential pick what was your worst ever pick oh let me did you did you have laporte this week when he got minus three no oh. thank god no thank god i i i bought diaz from the from gaming one and i stuck with him i said you know what i'm not trying the the roulettes at all so i just bought diaz the, the usual starting center back and he returned for me i think for four straight game weeks he's been on a blank run for a little bit but i know he'll get back into it what is my worst differential pick boy um i think you know what <laughs> i think it happened it happened this game week this not this game week this season um uh, and it's your boy antonio i had him as a captain when he got a red card <laughs> oh no minus, minus two was that minus minus two yeah and i no. that was the first time i had first time i had somebody with a red card on my team and first time that i captained somebody with minus <laughs> points it was the worst and you know what made it even worse what because that team was that entire team that i picked was a differential team because that was the same weekend that ronaldo was just transferred in from manchester united and i refused i put my foot down and said no i'm not buying into the hype i will not to come to all the pressure of my friends saying that you have to buy Ronaldo because he's coming to Manchester United. He's playing Newcastle at home and he's going to start. I was like, no, he just bought, he was just bought. He's going to be benched. He's going to come on 60th minute. They're going to use that as a, as an introduction. But lo and behold, Ronaldo is bigger than Ali. And he told everybody he was going to start. So he had to start and he scored two goals. And I had a captain, Antonio, on minus two. So that was definitely my worst differential pick. Um, because I think people either captain Ronaldo or Salah at that time. Both of them returned. I had Salah. I didn't captain him. And I had my minus two sitting there. And I think I got 43 points that week. And the average was at least 50. It was bad. It was bad. But I bounced back though, thankfully. But whoa, it was... That was rough. 
That was that was really rough. I think I um, if mm. if I go with my my best and my worst differential picks I've ever done, um, they both oddly enough, and this is going to sound really weird, they both come in the same game week last season. It was a uh, it was a double game week, and it was the one where Gundogan had just started coming into form, and um, Manchester City had a double game week. They had Spurs, and they had mm-hmm. another... I can't remember who actually the second team was. So I decided... Um, I went triple captain on Gundogan. He was on form, and he had um, good fixtures against teams that were bad defensively. Um, and he played in the first week, and he scored, um, I think it was 20... Four points. He got two goals and an assist, and then he got maybe it's two goals and two assists. I can't remember now. He he hauled big time, and then in his in his second game, he was injured. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember that game. I remember that game very also. very lucky to get um, a twenty four point haul off Gundogan. But after that first game, I was dreaming that maybe Gundogan was going to score forty points in one week, and I triple captained him. Yeah. But he got injured in that game. That and was... then got injured in the second game, which was uh, very disappointing because uh, you can only dream of how much that would have shot you up the ranks when your triple captain player gets injured <laughs> for the um, for the second game. I'm seeing, and that's and I remember I captained him that week. He was my captain that week. That's why I remember that um that particular double game week, and it hurt us because we. Um, for those who had captained him, we were like, yes, this is a, a huge return coming in. And he was looking like, you know, he couldn't stop scoring. And that was when, obviously, the boy, I think, was injured. And he just went on his magical run, just like um, mm. Lingard. And he got, comes up again injured. So I, I definitely remember that one. That counts as your best. So what one, which one was your worst? Well... Uh, I I was counting that one as my worst, really, because oh, uh, right. because of the fact that he got injured on the second game week meant that uh, I didn't go up the ranks half as much as I thought I was going to after the first game week. <laughs> yeah. But if I if I was to pick a bad pun, I'd probably say the one I did this week because um, I managed to take out a Ben White clean sheet, and I bought in Jansen from Brentford, who conceded. Um, three goals to Burnley and ended up with zero points. And I also took a minus four. I took out... Um, who did I take out? I bought I bought in Mount either way and Mount did not play. Um, right. I took out... Do, 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 do... I took out Ismail Assar. Um and while Ismail Assar didn't return either, um, Mount not playing was a big uh, kick in the teeth because my other plan was to take out um, to take out my defender from before, who I swapped to Jansen, and put in Reese James, and I didn't do it. I, I I said no. I think the better option is to bring in Mount and bring in. Uh, Jansen, a player who's got good fixtures and was on good form. Um, so I ended up losing about 15 points from that. And yeah. on top of that, I benched Gallagher, <laughs> who got 13 points. Yeah, well, so I think I lost 28, 
points that week, and I dropped from 20k down to 80k. Um, wow. <laughs> six dropped six places in our in our league. Um, so I would say that's my worst punt. But I'm sticking with it, and this week they're both playing again because. FPL's in the long run, not not just for one game week. I've got a, that's, I've got a, that's for that's sure. more than one game week. That is definitely for sure. And I think that's something that I have to continue learning because it's always, because of how much it's just a, on a one-week basis, then you have a week to do your transfers and then you have another week of games. It makes it so that you think as soon as you make or lose points, it's the end of the world. But it really is like a long run and you only really realise it when you reach towards the end and you realize where you started from so i definitely definitely trying to hold on to that one sure that it's a pretty long run and that's what i've been doing with my transfers which is why somebody like ben rama is still on my team i've been trusting him i've been praying i've been like you know just call just assist antonio just do something um <laughs> and it's it's it, it, it paid off more or less i guess i i think with um that uh Declan rice assist but what has really and going sticking on that same thing with last week, what really shut me up because I gained about a small green arrow twenty k positions from one ninety nine to one eighty four, or more or less fifteen k. Um, was the fact that uh, I I've trusted Jimenez and Jimenez has been a revelation because Jimenez not only has been returning, but if I am correct, his ownership is still very low. Yes, his ownership is only nine point. He's not even double digits ownership. Nine point three percent people own him, and as a result wow. of that, when when I ha well, going through the game week last week, I think I was on a red arrow until the last game, and he had the last game, and he scored, and got three bonus points, and that those points were the points that gave me enough to push me up. I think it was twenty thousand for fifteen thousand positions in the overall standing, and kept me twelfth in the league. Um, because I was on a red arrow um, if he hadn't scored. So I think those are, those are the type of stories that I hold on to when I'm remembering to um, take to a player that he bought. Because he was the other, I don't know if you remember when Stinger and I were the only two people in, in this entire league that um, Captain Jimenez, that week he scored two assists to Wang, that scored two goals. That was another big punt from me and it paid off tremendously, even though Mr. Salah outscored him because you know Salah has to do that. Um, <laughs> but he did return because I was, I'm telling you, I was there like, I, why was it? Oh, he was playing Manchester City. And I thought, you know what? I have a the City defender. I want to play my City defender. City is going to go to the Anfield, go in front of the cup, and they're going to keep a clean sheet, keep everybody quiet. And um, it's going to be a huge statement. We just beat Chelsea in Chelsea's home ground, even though, yeah, we had a little. There, there in the in the um, UCL against PSG, we played better football in my estimation against PSG. We're gonna come in Liverpool. Foden's gonna be on form. De Bruyne's gonna be playing. We're gonna go there and and tear it up. And Salah <laughs> ends up scoring a worldie and getting an assist to Mane. And Diaz gets a yellow card. So I felt it, but my captain pick a him and I saved me because otherwise I would have been in the mud. Um, but those are those are things that really I hold on to. So that's why him and I still in my squad. I sold Ronaldo. It made sense last week when he blanked against Liverpool, but then he ended up scoring as inevitably against Tottenham, and he should have scored two and got an assist. Mm. So, and I think that I'm going to do well. Yeah, and he's he's looking like he's just you know he's just going to continue scoring because he scored in midweek again, saved 
again you could say Ali's career um and it's just been a reoccurring theme where if it's any results that needs to be had Ronaldo's going to score to get it so I, I guess we have to keep my eyes on that but I'm trusting Vardy because Vardy's been on form and I brought him in as as a replacement for Ronaldo even though he blanked against Arsenal which by the way is also very tough and I understand why you took out Ben White because Leicester loves Arsenal particularly Vardy and mm-hmm. we can say it uh Ramsey was as otherworldly like there was particularly free kick and the second half performance there were a lot of chances that Leicester should have scored, but just because Ramsey was in the goal, they really couldn't. And Ramsey was, was in the form of his life on that particular day. So it made sense. It, it really did make sense to, um, to bench somebody like Ben White. It just didn't come up. And I think Ramsey finished that game at 10 points because of the amount of saves he had to make. So I guess those are things that are, are things you have to take into consideration. Those are, um, what do you call them, outliers, where it doesn't really follow the what is supposed to follow and I think we have to pay close attention to that when we're making our transfers. Mm. Do you would you like to try and predict some of the scores from this weekend as a way to um finish up for this week? Yes so that's a nice that's a nice thing. Okay, let me put up the fixtures I have done. Um so, well the first the first one to be played, which is this evening actually, in two mm-hmm. hours time. So we've got half an hour till the deadline. Um, yeah. is Southampton versus Aston Villa. I want, what I want as a double Southampton owner is a nil-nil um, with a penalty save and uh, uh, a Livermento masterclass. So that'll be wonderful. Um, I do see, I, I, I'm i getting in nil-nil vibes, which is why I'm starting with McCarthy in my goal. Um, Ings, I just see this, I just saw this as well. Ings, Triore and Louise all ruled out for Liverpool, for, for Villa. Hmm, I think nil all. I think I'm gonna go nil all with that game. Interesting. It's gonna be, be, it looks like it's gonna be end to end though. I do see McCarthy having to make saves, uh, which is what I want as his his owner, but I do see it ending. I'm going to say one nil to uh, Southampton. I think, uh, no no issues there. Yeah, I think Villa have been slightly, uh, slightly poor defensively, not as, uh, not as tight as they'd like to be. And I think mm-hmm. um, with uh, Broja's recent form, he got declared fit today. Um, if it's him and Adam Armstrong or him and Shea Adams or even Shea Adams and Adam Armstrong starting up front, I think they'll somehow find a way to score a goal. What okay. about uh, Man United and Man City? This is your yeah. team. Yeah, this is... And, and this is I hate going into these type of fixtures being uncertain, but I'm uncertain. One because of the bad outing we had against um, Crystal Palace, and it wasn't necessarily a team outing. Laporte just had a horrible game. Like he let he had a mistake which led to the first goal, and then he got caught um, being the last man to Zaha and ended up getting a red card, which was I think harsh. At least it should have been a a second yellow, but it was a straight red. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really cast a little doubt because I was looking to say City all the way. But after seeing what Ronaldo did to Tottenham and what he did to Atalanta midweek, I don't want to rule him out. <sighs> but I don't know. Because I have Diaz on my bench right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to go 3-1 to Man City. Um, because I do see Ronaldo getting in, or at least anybody really attacking for Manchester United getting in once. Because Stones is going to be playing um, his first, I think, first start in the Premier League this season. 
So he might be he might need a, a few games in to really get into game speed. Um, he hasn't been fine, but I think that there's an opportunity there for you know, Manchester United to score. But I do think Man City in the form that they're in and the football they're playing should be able to to win that game comfortably. So three one to um to Manchester City. I'm I'm gonna go interesting on this one, and I'm going to say one nil to Manchester United. Ooh. I think uh, mm. Ole is going to put ten men behind the ball. Yeah, uh, I, I think that where Stones is potentially not lacking match fitness, but he he certainly hasn't been playing the minutes that he was last season when he had that good partnership with Diaz. I think uh, um, Fernandez, Cavani, and Ronaldo. If uh, Ole starts with the three up front like he did uh, last game week, I think I think they could pose a real threat for Man City on the break. What about uh, Brentford Norwich? Now this is this is another one because the Brentford result last week was out of nowhere, in my opinion. I really didn't expect them to um, concede the way they did and the among they did to a Burnley team, no less. But um, Brentford is still a, a a team that for a promoted team has been over overachieving and playing good football. Um, I want to say. I want to say 2 0 to Brentford because I don't see Norwich scoring, even though Brentford looked a little leaky last week. Norwich has been in a bad patch of form, and I don't think that this is a fixture they're going to look at to say they want to get a you know, win on the table. But I don't think Brentford's going to go to Norwich expecting to lose. So I think 2 0 to Brentford is um, the result I'll go with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's probably going to end 0 0. Um... No, I'll say I'll say one all. Sorry, the last um, five matches between Norwich and Brentford have all been no more than one goal to either side. Um, oh, Norwich okay. won three of them one nil. They drew two of them one all. So I think it's going to be a close game, and I think, uh, but I think Brentford are a lot better than they were last year when they were in the Championship. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm quite happy to say a one all probably. Um, right. Chelsea Burnley. Hmm. I think the bus. I think the bus lives on. So Chelsea keep a clean sheet here. It's about scoring. I don't know how much I'm gonna, how many eggs I'm gonna put in the basket and think that the defenders gonna score again, because the volume of goals that have been coming from fullbacks has been a testament to their lack of strikers availability. But I don't see that. Especially when Sean Dice is going to go to Chelsea and probably put the 11 people in front of the ball. Um, I think 1-0 to Chelsea. A totally dominant 1-0, by, uh, mind you. But a 1-0... Uh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Burnley is coming with a little confidence as well. I do see them getting in as well. Um, especially with those long balls. And you know how they love to target the big man up, up top. So oh, I do yeah. see them getting in as well. Well, one nil to Chelsea. Yeah, one nil to Chelsea. I think for me, I'm going to say three nil to Chelsea, and I'm hoping my prediction comes true. But I don't think that uh, Chelsea will p- be playing on the wings as much as they were because I think if they're going to be putting in crosses, I think the the big men of uh, Burnley will do a good job of stopping them. So I think Chelsea are going to try and play through the middle. They'll play with their defensive midfielders and. Uh, Mount if he recovers from his tooth problem. 
Um, and I think that Havertz will do what he did last time. He'll drag defenders either way. Um, and I think they'll score quite a few down the middle rather than uh, by crossing. So I'm going to say 3-0 to Chelsea. Um, okay, let's go quickly through the rest because the rest of them are fairly boring other than West Ham, Liverpool. Crystal Palace Wolves, scoreline? 1-0 to Wolves. I want to roll a little bit of goal. Oh, I'm going 1-0 to Palace. Mm-hmm. Brighton, okay. Brighton, Newcastle? Mm. 1-0 to Brighton. 1-0 to Brighton. Um, I'm going to say one all again, actually, because I think that Callum Wilson may indeed score again. Um, although... Bright, it's, it's weird because uh, Brighton's defence has been really good. Newcastle's attack hasn't been too bad. Um, and then new manager. We forgot that too. New manager. New manager could be uh, a new manager hire. It could be... Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with one. Oh, I think Newcastle will score. And I don't think Brighton will score against Newcastle. Uh, I don't think Brighton will score more than one against Newcastle. Yeah. Arsenal-Watford? Now, this is going to... Because I still have to make my decision my midfield. Mm-hmm. Arsenal have, been, have this tendency of starting the game very well. And if Watford are to concede, I see them conceding in the first half because Arteta has changed his system a little bit and now he's making them press. Similar to what Pep does, which has been interesting because, you know, he worked under Pep. So I think he's using a little bit of that um, information. I see... Mm-hmm. That's too... Hmm, too... 2-0 to Arsenal. And I believe that both goals will probably come in the first half and then um, Watford might come back and team a little bit, but I think they'll keep a clean sheet at Ramsdale's form. Yep, I'm, I'm very tempted to agree with that. I can either see it being 2-0 or 2-1, so for the sake of this, I'll say 2-1. And maybe maybe we'll listen back next week and uh, remember what we predicted and see uh, who got closest. Yeah, we um, can. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be nice. Everton Spurs? Now, this is obviously going to be even trickier because we know Harry Kane loves Everton, new manager. And I think these statistics show that Spurs had the most shots they've ever had in a match since the start of the season in that midweek fixture under Conte. So yep. it looks as if attacking-wise, they've been imp- they've at least improved from one match anyway. Um, I don't have too much information on Everton, although I have heard and I've been seeing that they've been doing a lot poorly compared to what they were expected to do especially when it's coming to conceding goals. Mm. But I think tentatively, um, Tottenham will still be working out some kinks. I'll give them 1-0, but I wouldn't give them... I wouldn't see them scoring more than one against Everton. That's fair. I I think given Everton's recent defensive form, I think Tottenham could well put two or three past um, Everton. So I'm probably going to say 3-1 to Tottenham. Um, okay. I think... I think now that uh, Conte's had a couple more training days with the um, with the Spurs boys, that we could well see a rejuvenated Tottenham side. I'm going to say probably a Sun goal and a Kane goal, um, right. and you know maybe maybe someone else scoring as well. Lucas uh, Hoiberg, a defender, something like that. Three um, one for me because I still think Spurs will concede, uh, but yeah. I think Conte will shore them up a lot a lot better. Um, Leeds versus Leicester. I want this to be. I really need. I need this to be a high-scoring game because I have both 
have players from both teams, Rafina and Vardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it is a fixture that speaks to goals. Leicester and Leeds both are not good defensively, but they also have been uh, returning, attacking. More or less, um, I'm going to give it a draw. I want it to be 2 all, and I expect it to be end-to-end stuff. Um, and I think that um, they're both going to be attacking, looking to attack each other and playing probably off the counter. So, 2 all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go one all. Uh, I think, yeah, I, th- I think Leeds attack might... It's it's not as good without Bamford, I don't think. Um, I think they miss Bamford a lot. They miss not that Bamford's a clinical finisher, but I think he's certainly a better finisher than uh, any other striker that they've got. Although I'm very interested about um, their new sort of star that's coming through Geralt. I think he could be an interesting shout in a couple of years. Uh, mark right. my word. <laughs> um, <laughs> I th- I, yeah, I, I think Vard. You might get one or you know Madison or something, but um, I think probably one or. And finally, West Ham Liverpool. I let I have to let you go first on this one. This is your damn. This is your fixture. <laughs> well, as the West Ham fan, I should be saying uh, West Ham are going to win, um, but I'll keep it realistic. I think West Ham could score against Liverpool. I think Liverpool are more likely to score. Um. But I think both teams will score. So on that basis, I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, and I feel like Liverpool might actually score in the last five minutes of the game. As has been your luck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I've, been, I've, I've watched some of those hard-wrenching defeats of late from, from mm. West Ham. So I know how that goes. Um, I, I'm similar to you. I think both are going to score, but Liverpool will be on the... Um, victorious and I would give them one more goal and say 3-1 um, just because of the former Salah and how Liverpool have been playing as a unit and their clinical performance. Yes, there was a red card but their clinical performances against one would um, say one of the strongest buses um, in Europe in Atletico Madrid because they've beaten them now twice in both legs. Um, yeah. I think scoring more than scoring at these two goals in both legs so Attackingly, mm-hmm. they're looking as if they, they're, they're up there. And Firmino now is injured, which would bring back in Jota, which would give them more attacking force and more shots because, you know, Jota likes to shoot on site. So I think 3-1 to West Ham, um, to Liverpool, sorry. Um, but West Ham do get in. I think um, the power of Antonio should be enough. And then Trent is always a little shaky running back. So I do see West Ham getting in. So 3-1 to um, Liverpool. I think that's some good predictions there. Well, we'll listen back uh, next week and we'll see how we did. Maybe we can predict next week's fix just too as the, uh, as the last thing we do. Uh, okay, right. yeah, that's 15 nice. minutes until deadline. Have you, have you got any, any uh, more idea of what your transfer may be? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. Um, it, it, I want to see still on the same boat, um, but... I'm trying to decide if I want to use the long route or I want to chase like particular points that are available because Arsenal plays who? Arsenal plays, um, who is it? Watford now? Mm-hmm. Like, immediately. That is, yeah. a chance for, that is a chance for points. If I'm going down that route, I think I would go Smith. If I'm going down the long run, it'll be between them, Primo and Gallagher. But this is a, a transfer that I would make. I wish I had like... I could just, okay, let's go and play the game week. Let me see how y'all look. And now let me make a transfer. <laughs> I wish that existed. That would be so helpful. 
but I and then specifically for M Remo because he's coming off an injury, he did not play last week, so I don't know how he's gonna look if he gets to start this weekend. So I think I don't want to risk that. That could possibly be a chance for I make next week. I think mm. it's coming in now to Gallagher to my throw. I think that could be sensible. I think uh, I think my transfer this week is going to be um, Trincao because for some reason, I've, well, I've had more transfers of higher priority um, recently. Uh, so Trincao's next to go for me uh, and I'm going to be bringing in Smithrow, I think. Um, but I suppose for me, I haven't, sorry, I have still got my wild card to play. I'm planning on playing it in game week 14 when the fixtures turn for, well, nearly all of the top teams, I think. Um, Manchester City, Liverpool, um, West Ham Mm -hmm. and Everton all have a very nice fixture turn. Um, Palace and Man United also have a good fixture turn around the same time and uh, Leicester have one too. Um, So for me, I'm basically... um, burying my team into game week 14. I'm not not looking for fixtures further than that. Every week I'm bringing in the player who I think's best on form for the next X amount of game weeks until game week 13. I got you. I got you. One last question before we finish. Um, with that same mm-hmm. wildcard, just so I know, when is the other wildcard going to be available? I think for anybody else who wants to know as well. So I believe... It's just the second half of the season. I think sometimes it varies, but it'll, it'll be around game week, um, game week nineteen, game week twenty, something like that. That's usually when it becomes available. Um, I don't know if there's an exact answer yet, but um, that's not one that I know of. Right. Okay. I just, want, I just need to keep that in mind um, when I'm making my transfers in the future. But okay, just uh, yeah, this and it's Watford. Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, and I want to make a chance. I want to make a chance for now, so that I don't freak out in the last ten minutes and make a mistake or something. <laughs> do you know what? Gallagher. I think I'll do the same. I'm going to do Trinkau to um, Smithrow. And yeah, I hate because I hate. I don't normally do this. This is the first week I've done this, where I'm going down to the last half an hour. I usually make my transfers at least a few hours out of the deadline, so I have no worries. I don't make any mistakes. <laughs> and I don't switch my mind. I don't have second. Last second thoughts, because I've had that last season and it ended up messing me up. Um, switching captains and the last person I had as captain ended up returning and my current captain didn't. I don't want to play in. Wolves, Burnley, Crystal, Aston Villa, Leeds. Burnley, Aston Villa, Leeds. You know what? I think, how much is he? He's 5.7. How much is Smith Rowe? Smith Rowe is 5.7. I think I can do a straight swap if I don't want to play Smith Rowe the week after. Yeah. I can bring him in now and then straight swap him for Gallagher if Gallagher looks as if he's going to return in these next couple of game weeks. I think Smith Rowe. Let me go Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe. Ben Ramos Smith Rowe is my, is my move. Press next. Press next. Okay, I press next. All right. And confirm. Put him confirm. So you're locked in. We both got Smith Row this week. That's what we've decided. <laughs> well, it should be fun. It should be. Let me pick my team one time to make sure he's not in my bench. Right. Captain C. Pick that. Oh, God, we forgot that. I mean, I guess 
after that, um, just an assist last week. I think we can't say it's just Salah and forget now. Um, but is it on Salah for you this week? It is on Salah for me. I'd considered um, putting it on um, Vardy temporarily, um, just because I think the West Ham defence is looking pretty good. But it's Salah. <laughs> it's Salah. I'm not, I'm not willing to go against the crowd and lose a lot of rank just because I decided on the wrong captain. So I think just until Salah gets off form, it's, it, it's going to remain on Salah. I think that's what you? I'm trusting. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking as well. I don't want to um, make any wild punt and end up losing all the rank that I worked so hard for. I was considering Jimenez against Crystal Palace. It does present a nice opportunity. Or even mm-hmm. um, Vardy against Leeds, as you said. But I don't want, I don't want to just overstep Salah because he, he didn't blank as yet. He still hasn't blanked. So in in I, terms of ex in terms of expected goals conceded, just so you know, Crystal Palace is the second best defense in the league after Manchester City at the moment. Um, Manchester City, then Crystal Palace, then Chelsea, then Liverpool are the four best defenses in the league. So expected goal. How many goals have they conceded for this season? Um, right, if you can pull good. that up, I can pull that up. Because uh, wow, that is. <laughs> You see, guys, this is why you need to tune into FBL Nations and get these stats <laughs> that nobody hears about. I didn't know that. They've conceded, they've conceded 11 goals this season, which is just over one per game. Um, however, in their last one, two, three, in their... Oh, so they recently kept a clean sheet against Man City. They yeah. did concede one against um, Newcastle and Arsenal. Um, but they kept clean sheets against um, Chelsea, Brentford and Tottenham um, in their last few games. So I'm thinking if it's a big team coming up against them that Crystal Palace are generally very defensively organised. But this is Wolves though. I I wonder if because it's Wolves they might look to attack attack them. That's probably how they're playing. But that's a very mm-hmm. interesting Wow. That's that's definitely something to consider. Will Wolves attack them to the point that Crystal Palace will? Oh, sorry. Will Crystal Palace attack Wolves to the point that Wolves could counter and score? I'm not sure. I guess that's something. Uh, that's something that we'll find out come Sunday. Um, yeah. Are you are you willing to take the risk and not Captain Salah? Vision. <laughs> No, that's that's not no, that's not where I was going at all. <laughs> I was just um, I was just um very interested in that stuff. But no, definitely Salah, hundred percent for me. Um, and then this until this, and I think what's going to be the turning point, not necessarily his form because he can miss a game and then score like three goals in the next game. I think what's going to really determine this as well is his ownership because that seventy one percent is huge. Like if you miss on a return, you miss on three quarters of the entire world ranking. So. Yeah, um, and you've it's got going to think to that probably ninety percent of those seventy percent will be captaining him as well. So his ownership is going to be about one hundred and fifty percent. So if he scores, even if you have him in your team, you're going to lose ranking based on you don't captain him. Yeah, I'm going to take that into consideration as well. What are his next fixtures? Just just so we care about that Arsenal and then Southampton. Yeah, I think I can see him um, at least returning in those games. So yeah, it's going to be on Salah until he shows me otherwise or until AF, if 
they have Kwanai and, and either one whichever comes first. And even then, I think I'll keep it on him. You know, he could score goal against Sam Lippia and get me points. You don't know. Um, but yeah. So I think that's um, that's a wrap for this episode. It went longer than we expected, but that's great because it's uh, that's great. Yeah, uh, a nice conversation, and I'm so glad that we're doing this. Really, really interesting experience. Hopefully, that fail with the recording isn't too bad, and I can still get it uploaded. I'm gonna try to get it uploaded now, so that we can get it out to the people. And yeah, so anything else you want to say before we close? No, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, same time, same place. Same place. See you.